Well, hey, Gospel Hope and anyone else who happens to be uh, viewing or, or um, joining in with us, uh, uh, myself and uh, Pastor Ryan thought it would be a great idea to um, further equip um, us with the ability to take Sunday's messages and have uh, a greater sense of connectivity with culture and the things that are happening during our day. And so uh, we're gonna spend about 15 minutes really talking through uh, some aspects of Sunday's message. And um, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll enjoy that and there'll be some additional things that um, improve your discipleship, your belief and your ability to behave or out, uh, work out the gospel. So um, Pastor Ryan, thank you for a powerful word yesterday. I've got my notes up here in front of me. Um, very succinct, very good stuff that I can meditate on. God is our king, God is our father, God is our judge, and God is our empower. And as I think through those four, I do have a couple of questions about the sermon in particular. Uh, one, it seemed like we were on this path of talking about in the waiting. And in, in my mind, if I was just a casual reader of First Thessalonians, it just seemed like this message about pursuing personal holiness it almost, for a second, doesn't feel like it fits the natural flow of the text. Did you feel any of that? What are your thoughts on an idea that this seems like just a random message in the middle of all that? Yeah, so I think sometimes we can move personal holiness to like this subcategory of the Christian life. But, but in one way, we could say living a holy life is the Christian life because mm -hmm. all of our thinking, all of our actions are to be called into greater conformity into the image of Jesus. And, you know, as we highlighted yesterday, like we are strangers, sojourners, this, this place is not our home. And I think the call of the text there, it fits in the flow because Paul is just saying, hey, while you're waiting for Jesus to come back, um, you need to be pursuing Christ likeness. And one area that you need to be pursuing Christ likenesses is in your sexual ethic. And so I think that how it relates to the rest of the book. So next week, um, we're gonna be looking at how Christians think about work. And then after that, how Christians should think about uh, just the return of the Lord itself. So uh, Thessalonians, though it is very um, theological in helping us think about waiting, it, it's also very practical and like, okay, you're waiting. Here's how you wait in this culture right now. Hmm. Uh, that's that's good and and you know kind of speaking about culture but but one more question about the sermon uh, you said something and i've got it right here how many of us today view immorality uh or we always try to think of it as a victimless offense uh it's just breaking rules i know in the sharing of the gospel with unbelievers and inviting people to a saving knowledge of christ often christianity can get sidelined as just another uh, scheme for keeping rules, but you really start to unpack something here when you talk about our tendency to view immorality as victimless crimes. Can you double down on that uh, a little bit? Yeah, I, I think in our um, society of radical self-determinism, that is, I get to choose what is right and wrong. I'm the master of my own faith, the captain of my destiny. Mm. Um, you know, when God, when we think of sexual immorality, we're like, well, you know, it's kind of my body. I can do with it what I want. If I sin, it's really just a sin against myself. Mm. But, but that's not the way that the Bible portrays immorality. When we sin in sexually immoral, immoral ways, whether it's, whether it's the ways that are very obvious in terms of like 
abuse or rape or something like that, or even in the ways where we categorize like, hey, this isn't impacting anybody, masturbation or pornography, Mm -hmm. um, it's always before the Lord. You know, every sexual act is before the Lord. So it's not just breaking a rule, as you said, it's breaking a relationship with God. And there's forgiveness and grace and all of that is true, but we always act before the Lord. And then two, um, particularly sexual sin, there's other people involved in that. And so we're not just harming ourselves, we are, but we're hurting and harming other people. So the 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 dating couple who really loves one another, and I, I'm not questioning that, but engages in premarital sex, they're they're sinning not just against the Lord, but against one another. You know, the the adulterous affair, the when you're looking at the image of the screen of pornography, that's a person made in the image of God whom you're sinning against in that moment. So I think the Lord encourages us in this passage to see it that way because he wants to remind us that we don't sin in a vacuum. Um, yeah. we, we don't just hurt ourselves with sin. We hurt other people. It's always um, relational. Yeah. You, you know, so when you when you were developing or working through this message, was there a particular moment in culture or an event or an occurrence that you were thinking about? I mean, like right now, you know, on the on the on the pages that you've got, you know. Will Smith and his wife, and there's this suggested infidelity, and but the general public goes, well, hey, didn't they self-declare themselves as having an open marriage, so no harm, right. no foul. Uh, you've got other um, occurrences where, um, you, you know, well, just just there, you know, th- this is an attempt to make adultery victimless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was there anything like that or uh, in culture that's happening today that kind of was running around in your heart as you were preaching and thinking through this? Yeah, I think two things were really on my mind in terms of like kind of our current, uh, not just cultural moment, but society at large. One is, um, y- you know, sadly, uh, sexual abuse has, has come to the forefront in, in so many different ways recently in our culture. Um, and I don't mean sadly that it's come to light. I mean, sadly, that it's happening so frequently. Um, and so I think what what this passage does with both sexual abuse and even the sexual fluidity that is present in our culture, like I can determine um, how I live sexually, how I use my body. What this passage does for us is it just it just says, no, God is the creator of sex. He is the creator of human beings. He is the creator of human sexuality. And therefore, he gets determined the, the rule. So with abuse, this is a categorical um pronouncement that abuse is sin. I mean, this this passage is, Christians should have no part in condoning or covering abuse. It is wrong before the eyes of the Lord. And, and even that that little section there about God is the avenger, I, I think that is a, uh, that's a powerful bit of encouragement to those who have suffered sexual victor, victimization, that e- even though human judgment gets miscarried, sadly, uh, mm. divine judgment never will. And uh, God sees, God knows, God cares. And then on the other side of the coin, um, kind of the the movement that is um, sexual fluidity and kind of I get to determine what I do. Again, this passage is saying, no, no, no. God is the creator of sex, and therefore he gets to determine how it is used. And if we're living a life in submission to him, we're trying to increasingly conform our thinking and our actions in line with 
what he outlines is the right way for us to live. So, um, yes, I think this passage is very countercultural because it's very clear on what God expects of our sexuality. Mm. You know, when we uh, thinking of uh, of culture again, this is just a something that came to mind right now. Um, you know, we often get branded as the camp that tells people what not to do. Mm-hmm. For the person that's listening or watching this, and they know that they've got a broken sexual ethic, mm-hmm. and man, they read the Bible, they understand the passages, they know what God's ideal is. Are there any theologians or any gospel-centered writers who you think have done great work and you would have a recommended read for somebody who says, man, I, for the sake of my marriage, because I've been slave to a life of pornography, for the sake of my marriage, because I struggle with adultery, for the sake of my marriage, because I've got all iterations or I've been abused, and here I am, I wanna enjoy this power tool of the gift of sex, I think as you referred to it, uh, mm-hmm. in marriage. But is there anybody who you, who you trust has done some good writing on this to define what it looks like to do it right and to do it well in God's eyes? Yeah, there, there's a lot of people who have thought um, carefully about this, and it depends on your particular issue. I, I think um, uh, there's a little book by Paul Tripp called Whiter Than Snow, and it um, it's just basically directed to the way that we think about our sexuality and trying to help us to, um, in, one se- in one sense, depornify sex. Mm. Unfortunately, even for Christians, um, we, we can often think of sex as something that is dirty or that, but it's, it's not, it's a gift of God. Now it needs to be used properly as you, as you just said, but it is a gift of God that Christians can um, celebrate and exalt. Um, th- there's, a, there's a book called um, Sex, Romance and the Glory of God. And it's a little very short book, but I think right at the beginning, there's a very helpful section about Song of Solomon and how it is a celebration of marital love um, I, I'd commend those couple of really brief resources. Um, and there's a lot of great writing on the topic by, by some Christian thinkers right now going around in the world today. Mm-hmm. Kind of moving on, um, you know, we as a church have talked about three major themes, growing our relationship with God, growing in our relationship with one another, and growing in our relationship with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, how, which of any of those notes, if, or maybe all, even all three, do you believe this message uniquely equips us to follow through on? Yeah, as I was thinking about it, um, the primary one came to you know our relationship with one another as as fellow believers, and the idea that we consistently talk about of being responsible siblings. Um, as a father of daughters, um, and Rod, I'm sure you can resonate with this as well. I have been increasingly aware of the way that our culture consistently objectifies the female body. Um, And girls uh, growing up in this culture are so often judged more for their physical attractiveness than for the strength of their character. Mm -hmm. And I just want Gospel Hope to be a place where my daughters and all the women and girls in our church can grow up being valued not because they look pretty, and I'm not against people looking pretty, but um, primarily because they're they're trying to grow in character and, and walk with Jesus. And so I, I think that's what I'm particularly and uniquely burdened. Like it is so, um, I think it is so easy even for the church 
to begin to view women um, as objects because that is just so loud in our culture right now. The prettier you are, the more valuable you are. And that's just not a biblical worldview. The, the Bible teaches that that our value is based on the one who made us, not on how we look. And so I think that's what I was burdened about. Amen. Uh, kind of considering our cultural or national preoccupation with the way things look, you know, we've often said as a church, we want to display, show, mm -hmm. model the reconciling hope of the gospel. Um, how do you feel, again, once again, this message on sanctification uh, enables us as the body of Christ, not just gospel hope church, but to model reconciling hope um, of the gospel. Yeah. So maybe this doesn't directly speak to our, you know, the, the cultural moment we find ourselves in with COVID-19 and the racial tension. But, but I do think that this passage calls the church to a united pursuit. Um, in, in other words, every member of the body of Christ, Gospel Hope Church and the larger body of Christ, is to be pursuing God's will. This is God's will for you, even your sanctification. That's what the text says. And yeah. so as we, from all different walks of life and from all different you know, sexual backgrounds, like some have stories of, of brokenness and some have stories of abuse. And there's all kinds of backgrounds present in our church and in the church at large. We are all together uh, through the powerful Holy Spirit of God pursuing sanctification in Jesus. And I think that displays that we're united on this, even though our culture has all kinds of ideas about sexuality. The body of Christ has a has a pursuit to shoot for Christ likeness in this matter of sexuality. And that displays the reconciling hope of the gospel. We may come from um, different backgrounds and we may all have different stories, but we're united together in one pursuit of the sanctification in our walk with the Lord. I, I love that because I, I think in our, in our, in our culture today, there's a premium placed on unity but just unity around a variety of different things that may be noble individual causes, causes that real have real virtue, but there's nothing as powerful as unity in and around the gospel and for things that uh, God can put his stamp on. We don't wanna build the next Tower of Babel in this current cultural moment. We wanna be unified around things that have, again, divine endorsement, yeah. gospel advancement, and, and, and who better uh, than the church to, to model that. That's right. And, you know, as you and I have tried to make a point of emphasis, one thing that we want to just be like not present at Gospel Hope is pornography. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a unifying factor there where as we as a church are just like fighting together to root this out of our lives, there's a there's a reconciling hope there. We're united in this battle against this sin that, that in our culture is very much accepted. Amen. Well, Pastor Ryan, thank you so much for um, kind of spending some time to, to give us some greater insights into your heart and thoughts about Sunday's message that we may not have had time to really sift through in the Sunday morning moment. Um, so we're looking forward to subsequent weeks when, um, you know, the, the shoe will be on the other foot and I'll be on that side of the camera and, and, and vice versa. So it's a great work that um, I'm, I'm privileged to serve with you in this unique way that God has us doing. And I pray that our local body and the body at large uh, benefit from this uh, greatly. Great. Great. Thanks, Rod. Thank you.